from Los Angeles, California. This is the Writer's Strike Chronicles, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Thursday, January 24th, 2008, day 82 of the Writer's Strike. In this episode, I talk to writer-director Jeff Wolfman, and with us is SAG member Colleen McGran. Before we begin, I'd like to share the following email I received from listener Jesse Filippko, who said, Hey, Tanya, I love the show. I've been listening since the beginning. Like many people, I wanted to know what was going on and wasn't getting anything from big media. So, I found you in iTunes. I think interviewing the actual people on the line on a near-daily basis is incredible and a great service. I have my own podcast in which we do movie and TV reviews. Our most recent show, which isn't up quite yet, involved having to make a song in a week about television. Well, I'm not musical, but I have a computer and a friend who can sing, so I wrote this jingle about the writer strike and its effect on me, which might give you a giggle. You can use it on the show if you like. It's written by me, Agent Xenon, and sung by Nikki G of Plasticade. Again, I love the show. Keep it up, Jesse. Okay, so coming up, we're going to hear this little ditty that Jesse sent me. Producers don't fret, you'll make your revenue. 
so much jesse for contacting me and sharing your song with my listeners i think this is really 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 cute and it did make me giggle if anybody listening wants more info on jesse and his crew you can log on to www.agentzenon.com okay now coming up in this recording is an interview i have with writer director jeff wolfman and his friend actor colleen mcgran just a note before we begin this recording took place on Martin Luther King Day at the picket line in front of NBC Studios. What's interesting about this interview is that Jeff wanted to turn it around and ask a few questions about me and how I felt about some of the issues. I don't know if it came across, but I was not comfortable with this, but whatever. It's also worth noting that the background noise was such that it was really difficult to edit this particular episode. Finally, the disc recorder I used ran out of tape at the end of the conversation, which continued on for at least about, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes. So if it sounds like there was more to hear, yeah, there was. Okay, that's it. Let's roll sound. Okay, what were you saying? I was saying the the agreement with the Directors Guild is somewhat of an undercutting of the writers and the actors. Wait. Wait for the music. That's okay. Yeah. The um, the people who are in charge of the directors guild are the richest of the directors, the multimillionaires. They don't care that much about residuals. They have no problem cutting the legs out from under the rank and file of the few directors who need that money. It's different when it comes to the writers and the actors. The writers and the actors are controlled, the leadership of the union are controlled by those who care about the rank and file. Where the residuals are so important to them because it pays for their mortgage, it pays for their health care. It very much uh, has everything to do with pensions and health care. Residuals affect pensions and health care. And so the writers and directors won't hopefully give in to such a bad deal because the rank and file need those few dollars, those thousands of dollars here and there. Where the the directors, they don't care. They're multimillionaires and they don't care about their rank and file. And that's why they settled so early. Did you see the terms of the uh, tentative agreement? I saw the the very broad brushstrokes of it, which is they... The producers gave them a a deal when it comes to residuals or full payment for internet. Mm-hmm. But they also said that Anytime the producers decide that a show is promotional, they don't have to pay residuals. But that's what they're doing right now. They're trying to do that with our agreement, and we're saying no. 
that you cannot call something promotional. You, if you put it on the internet, it is a showing of the show, and you're making money off of it. If you're making money off it, then the inventors of the show, the writers, should make some money off of it, and the actors should make some money. Because without the writers and actors, there's nothing. And so the producers want to try to find a loophole, and the directors allowed it to happen. You mean that's what you read? That was you, that what was you were able to discern with with the internet part. They got very little with DVDs, and they knuckled under with the internet. And they did get the right to represent uh, directors, the jurisdiction of the internet, which is one of the things that we're we're fighting for. But we're also fighting for reality writers, those who have television shows on on the networks that are reality. We want to represent them too, and they want to be represented by the writers. What did the writers get for uh, cable? The writers haven't gotten anything yet. We just got a very, very tiny, tiny bit. Who are you? I'm Colleen McGran. What are you talking about? I was asking what the writers get residuals for Union. Or oh, for, who? For, uh, oh, you mean what's the contract right now? Not for Union, for, uh, for cable. It was oh, for cable. Uh, cable, it's uh, a residual, it's a part of an equation where we get a very small percentage of the first run of it and then the residuals go by a percentage of their profits uh, for cable. Do you, get a residual, do you get a residual per each time it shows? Yes. After the first year, you get a certain amount uh, for the first showing of it, and then you get a residual for all the showings afterwards. It's very small. In fact, that's an interesting question, because what we're asking for for the Internet is exactly what we get right now for cable. It's very small, but it is something. Yeah. Um, okay. Hold on. I kind of... <coughs> I should ask you questions then. No, no, no. What would you possibly ask me? Why am I doing this? Yeah, no, okay. First question. What got you involved with doing this? Because I think it's historic, and I think that the guys you're striking against, the conglomerates, they also control the news networks, and so they control the flow of news and information. And so they're telling the story from the top down, and I think they're going to skew the story the way they want. Keep going this way so I can hear you more. Of everything that you've heard from other people, what's the most interesting pieces of advice that you got or understanding? That you, you mean about what I'm doing? Of the strike. What's the, what has jumped out at you? Some of the comments that have you received. What's jumped out at you and that you're going to remember forever? I think the biggest thing I've heard is that the internet should be unionized. I've heard that from SAG and I've heard that from WGA. What's your take on that? I think everything in this country should be unionized if it's democratically, if there are democratic unions. The democratic unions are the lifeblood of America, lifeblood of any democracy. They're the truest form of democracy, and democracy works only when people are informed. People are informed when there are strong unions, democratic unions, not management controlled unions that you see in Mexico or these countries that don't really have true democracy. So everything should be unionized if it's done legally and democratically. But how can the internet be unionized? Cheater. What? Cheater. I'm going to ask you a question now. We'll go back and forth. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Yeah. All right, all right. Real cool. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> do you belong to your union? Yes, I belong to SAG. SAG. And AFTRA. And AFTRA. So, as a SAG member... What qualities in the union of SAG do you like the most, and what qualities do you dislike the most? 
Well, I like SAG for union solidarity and for fighting for what's right and for protecting artists and their work. What I don't like is the uh, two different platforms of SAG and AFTRA. Directors have one guild, writers have one guild. I think actors should be platform agnostic as well. I think there should be one guild. And there's actually three guilds. There's three? Three guilds, because there's equity too. Oh, that's a good point. There you go. Yeah, you're right. So, wasn't ACTRA and SAG uh, negotiating at one time to come together? What happened to those negotiations? I think it did not get ratified is what I think happened. I've actually only been in SAG for about three years. Now, as a SAG member, how does the pensions and health care affect you? Would you rather have your union represent you, represent your health care, or would you rather have a universal health care for the whole country? That way, your unions would never have to worry about that That's again. That's a good question. That's a good question in this day and age. Um, I think everybody who pays taxes is entitled to good health insurance. And as a SAG member, then... SAG has been the most helpful of all the unions for the Writers Guild here. Supportive, yeah. Most supportive. Alan Rosenberg has really pulled it together and delivered. Are you proud of Rosenberg's actions? Are you? What message would you give to him if you had a chance? It's good. Wow, you're good. Have you done this before? I'm a writer. Okay. Um, <laughs> and a and director, actually. Although the funny thing is, even though I'm a director, I call myself a writer. I'm really conflicted because I am pro-union, I am in SAG, I belong to, I come from a Yahtzee family, which Yahtzee doesn't appear to support WGA at this time, but um, I think if my dad were alive today, I think he would support the strike. He was an art director. Um, what I would tell Alan and what I'm really proud of is that he is, has been able to deliver the actors to the WGA because union is union. And as I was saying, here today at NBC, there's maybe approximately 300 people. I would say half of them. 150 people are SAG members. And SAG have been the most supportive. And they give us the most energy, too. Writers have a tendency to, since we've been out for three and a half months, we have a tendency to get down and... and we're somewhat of a macabre group of people anyways. The actors give us so much energy on the strike, on the picket lines. You know, I come from a um, what I call a woo-woo background. I'm a body worker and massage therapist. And uh, this, is, uh, this is yin-yang in action. When I see actors and writers come together, I actually see the flow of yin and yang. Um, okay, so now it's my turn to ask you a question. Oh, I have one more question, though. Oh, no, that's not fair. And for He's both not of you, though. Fair. Okay, oh, okay. For both going. of you. As SAG members... The writer's strike could go on, or it could be settled soon, but if it goes on, SAG's contract is up at the end of June. Mm-hmm. I see, we strike. What happens if it comes to you and the, and the producers don't give the SAG members any recognition for the internet or uh, residuals or what they're asking for? What would you do? I would propose to strike because we got screwed out of the last deal as far as cable is concerned. But I'm, I'm on a cable show right now and they play it over and over and over again. And I received my first residual check for them playing it thousands of times. And I think it was like $2. Whoa! And I think that's incredibly incorrect. And so I, I would, you know, hope that... If the writers hadn't settled theirs by then, that they would give us the same support that we've given them at this time. And I think we deserve, yeah, I think we deserve more rights as far as the Internet is concerned. I mean, that's a whole 
unbelievable environment that's opening up, and uh, everybody should be able to make something from it. It shouldn't just be the producers. And you? I say strike as well, I don't, although I honestly don't know if I can afford to hold out that long and hit the picket lines every day like I've been doing. So um, I support and strike, but I probably will have to get another job. Having said that, I want to know, Mr. Union Man, how can the Internet be unionized? The Internet can't be unionized. The work that goes on the union can be unionized. The, the shows that are on the Internet can be unionized. The Internet, the greatest thing about the Internet, it's, it allows freedom for the strongest person on the planet to the weakest person. A person who just comes out of college with no money can start an Internet a website and produce his own show. He can produce his own web information, his own blog. The internet itself shouldn't be unionized. It should be maintained free. Ironically, the studios are trying their hardest right now with millions and millions of dollars going to lobbyists to Washington to try to control the internet. You're talking about net neutrality? Yeah. Would you tell my audience a little bit more about what you're talking about, please? Well, the net neutrality is that anyone on the internet uses... Well, without getting too technical, everyone pays the same amount of money to use as much broadband as they want, as much information. The studios who want to get control of it, they want us now put a toll booth mm -hmm. in the internet and mm -hmm. say, okay, if you're going to use several lanes of the internet, of the broadband, we're going to charge you more than if you use a small amount. And of course, the studios want to control it. It's by putting a toll booth in front, it is taxing people to use the internet. And the small person who's the most innovative person in the world, the next Shakespeare's, the next Einstein's, the next Newton's, are coming out and they can spread their information without having to pay this toll booth. And of course, there's always going to be greedy people who want to control people's thoughts. And as we keep hearing, this is the information age. Who controls the information controls the power. Right now, the internet is the freest form of information, and so the people control the power. And the studios and the big wigs, uh, generally Republicans, are trying to control the information so they can con keep controlling the power. Are you aware that Time Warner is doing a test study right now in Wisconsin about measuring broadband and, and basically paying per, for the amount of broadband that's being used? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah Tell I just, me about it. Um, I don't know enough about it to comment on right now. I read it this morning. Um, on I subscribed to a couple RSS feeds, and I was like, oh, what is this? What's going to happen here? So I'm curious to follow that, but I will actually send you the link for that. Um, I think, but, though, the, the Internet, though, as you said, shouldn't be unionized, but when a show is put on a website, if NBC creates a show, and they show it on television, and they show it on the internet, on your computer. What's the difference if I watch it on television, or if I watch it on the internet? And in fact, I watch most of my television now on the internet, because I just don't have time to get to the television. So, I'll be doing something, and I'll have some show going up, usually some new show, or, or John Stewart, or something that's funny, and I'll have it on. They're making money off of that show. A side note, what internet channels are you watching these from? I will basically watch MSNBC for the debates okay. and any of the news information. I'll go to Comedy Central to watch Jon Stewart. And 
I watched some sports, actually. I watched for the first time a tennis match on ESPN3.com. Okay, now I don't watch sports. Is there advertising on that? Oh, absolutely there's advertising that. They're making lots of money. NBC bragged about the fact that they made $1 billion in their digital department this year. $1 billion. And yet they don't want to pay a few million dollars to the writers who created the product and the actors who made it happen. Okay, now you said that the internet, if I'm quoting you correctly, um, that the internet is a great democracy and all that. But it can only be... It's a great tool of democracy. Okay, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. It's only a great democracy if everybody has access to it. You only mentioned students, people who are educated. What about people in rural communities who can't afford broadband? Or what about people in the ghetto who can't get access to the internet because they don't have a computer? What do you say to that, the digital divide? Two things. One, we have to make sure that the access to the internet is kept at a very reasonable rate. And two, we need to support libraries and other institutions, uh, cyber coffee shops that allow access to the internet for all the people. What was the library made for in the first place? At one time, people couldn't afford books. And so the libraries allowed people to go into the library and read the books and become educated, give themselves the education they want so they could go out and get better jobs and buy their own books. Same thing with libraries now. We have the internet access at the library. Go in there, get the information, improve your lifestyle, and then go out and get your own internet. And, and libraries, that's why libraries need to be subsidized by the government. It's, are they not? They are. Okay. But there's always the Republicans who want to cut that. Oh, yeah. it's always well, they also want to cut art as well. Exactly. Interesting uh, topic you mentioned. I'll ask you a question this. Of all the, ancient his- all the ancient countries, what's left of those countries when they go away? No one remembers their politics. No one remembers their ah, politicians. Yeah. The only thing that's left are their architects and the art that they leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. So how is America going to be remembered 100 years from now? No one will remember the petty squabbles. They'll remember their art, and hopefully the architecture will still remain. What's your thoughts on that? That's, my dad was an architect, so this really hits me hard. Um, Will this still be America in a hundred years? With China and owning our debt and, you know, the new world order. And, I mean, I kind of tend to panic. I mean, I love to look at a hopeful future, but I always get anxious. It's funny you're saying that. I was thinking about that last night. I was actually having a dream about that. I was wondering if, if there's not... The question wasn't, is there going to be America in a hundred years? Is there going to be a human race in a hundred years? Oh. You know, I had a dream last night. I had two dreams last night. I had a dream that I was in a live workspace. Yeah. And there was fucking shit. Seriously, shit. Like a poo party. Everywhere. There was shit everywhere. And it was awful. And then I woke up and I was like, that was an awful dream. And then I realized, I think it's a live workspace. I think it's pretty much telling me how I feel about what's going on right now. The second dream I had was that I was going to die and I knew it. And so I was going to die, and I was freaking out, and then I died. Not at the poo party. I Not at the poo party. No, I died. And then yeah. I remember sitting there going, I'm dead, and it wasn't that bad. Where did you go? That's the weird part. I'm still trying to figure out. I was still alive, I guess, because I was able to you know, right. discern that I was dead. I think, therefore, I am. 
but um, I think that dream is a, just uh, is a symbol of uh, what's happening here right now with the strike and you know what's going on in America is I probably am going to die and become something else and I'll be okay. That's what I think. I, uh, you, you, you'll definitely become something else. If not at, in whole, definitely in part. You will definitely become something else in part because your atoms will spread out and right now we're breathing the air of Cleopatra sometime today. So in part you will become something else. I was going to ask you about your dream of death though. Well that's the weird part. I didn't actually have a moment of death where you know the light you know went to the light. It was just suddenly I knew I was dead and I was still conscious and it wasn't this terrible. I mean, I, when I think about death, I, I, I fear about the suffering and the pain and the saying goodbye to people and all that. And it was no big thing when I... Right. Yeah. In one of the stories I wrote, it's called Ruby Tuesday. And this is a young girl, your age, whole life wanted to be in the entertainment business. Um, so the problem is she can't act, can't dance, can't sing. So, what do you do? So she, so she became a, a director, a filmmaker, because she was um, in Heart of Darkness. is a documentary, besides the movie, there's a, a documentary called Heart of Darkness on the making of Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, at the end of this documentary, they have Francis Coppola um, sitting down, and they asked him, with all this technology that's coming out in the world now to making films, what's your dream? What do you see happening in the future? And he said, my dream is that someday a little fat girl from Ohio will come from nowhere and make a masterpiece. I went, oh. But isn't that what the internet is all about? User-generated content? I mean, I know you're all trying to get your slice of the pie on the internet, but I read a study from Nokia that says in 2012, 25% of the viewing audience is going to be user-generated content and watchers. That's right, and that's it. With the technology getting cheaper and cheaper, anyone can go buy a digital camera now or a high-definition camera, get a couple friends together, get a mic, and go shoot a film. You don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars of lighting anymore. Uh, you don't need huge tr- vans and grips and gaffers. You want to make it look well, uh, do Spider-Man, you do. But you can go out. There was a great um, television show I just saw. Someone told me to go see it. And I, I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed most of the sitcoms. It what was, was the show? I, it, I am somethingfriends.com. Go Friends, t- I can't even remember the name of it. A friend told me to go see it. I'll, I'll find it for okay. you. It was very funny. And I thought, like, easy to do that. And you're right. Anyone can make their television show now. You don't need NBC to make a television show. But do you need a union to make a television show? No. You don't need... T- you. All you need to make a television show is a few thousand dollars of equipment and imagination and close friends. And you can make a television show. You don't need a union. The union is not here to help you make a television show. The union is here to protect the rights of workers um, in a collective form. So whether you're a writer or an actor, a laborer of any kind, a teacher, a person who works in government, when you work as a collective group, You need a union to protect you from management because management, there's always going to be a yin and a yang. Management will always try to take something from you if you're willing to give it. And the union is is there to say, no, we have our rights as much as you have your rights. And that's why a 
proper working society, there's actually a trika, a triangle of agreement. Labor on one side of the base, management on the other side, and government there in the middle. And government's role is to be a fair arbiter between the two. And I think there's the fourth estate. The fourth estate's supposed to let everyone You have been listening to the Rider Strike Chronicle podcast, available for free through iTunes. For more information, visit us at www.strikechronicles.com. To contact us, please call 310-439-8754 or send us an email at info at strikechronicles.com.